Michigan Business Beat, a Michigan Business Network. Jeffrey Mosier sitting in for Chris Holman uh, on the road, but, uh, well, reaching out across the state of Michigan to the Brighton vicinity to Rick Welsh, MSC, DABT, Director of ASTI Environmental, a group that, uh, well, if you go back a couple years, we've had on from time to time on the Michigan Business Beat. So, Rick, welcome to the Michigan Business Beat. Thank you for having me. Well, some uh, information's crossed our path, and we thought it was time to, to drop back into ASTI Environmental and uh, get some updates. So can you, in everyday people language, tell us about the Michigan standards and ended up so low? Or PFAS. Yes, yes, that yeah. is that is the category. Well, okay, as a scientist, I always like to, we have to start with who we are. The uh, I'm a uh, environmental chemist and board-certified toxicologist. The DABT is diplomat of the American Board of Toxicology. Like I said, our our scientists love to start that way. So in everyday language, why the PFAS standards are ending up so low? It's almost a quick two-part story. The first thing is when you want to figure out how toxic something is, like PFAS, you usually dose animals, like rats and mice, and then they look to see if you know, they, the effects like cancer or birth defects, things like that. And it's ironic here that the, the dose, that's generally where you start to see some toxic effects with PFAS is around what they call a milligram of PFAS per kilogram of body weight for these rats and mice. And ironic in that that's about the same as for most of the other chemicals out there that you'd see with MCL. And so that's, I'll go through, so and then the second part of the story, which I'll tie these two together, is that there are the old PFAS that used to be on the market, they're no longer there, and there's the replacement ones now. And the gist of it is, instead of having eight carbons in the structure, it has four now. And the reason that that's big is because the eight carbon PFAS lasts a little bit longer in people versus the four or six carbon people, which don't last very long. That's like days kind of thing. They, so they don't accumulate enough, like ECBs, you've heard of those, or DDT, that accumulates in fat. PFAS don't do that. And so I'll get back to it. So the replacement PFAS, because of, they last a little longer in our body, they're calculated that's how they go from, instead of having a similar MCL, that's a maximum contaminant level or drinking water standard, to other chemicals, it's the way they calculate it then because of the longer that these things stay in our bodies, called our half-life. And what we've done then, and, and so it's, it's just that simple. They're about the same toxicity as many other chemicals that have drinking water standards in the part per million or part per billion level, but instead they get calculated down to the part per trillion level. All right. And actually, just momentarily, let's even take a more elementary step back, because for the last half decade, people may have heard the PFAS term thrown around or seen on a screen or a a chart, the PFAS. But what does that acronym truly stand for? Really, the polyfluorinated alkyl substances. So the fluorinated alkyl is the carbon, the fluorinated is is the fluorine. And it's a really like the chlorine carbon bond, like you've heard of the dry cleaning chemical perchloroethylene, and it's kind of similar to that chlorine carbon bond, but this is the fluorine. And it's a really strong bond, so it's just fluorinated 
substances, carbon and fluorine. And it's a real strong bond and it lasts a long time in the environment. Perfect. All right, then. So from here, what are the other options right now for Michigan? Well, so they're, they're somewhat limited. The U.S. EPA, I forgot when they did this, about a year or two ago, produced a drinking water health advisory for PFAS at 70 parts per trillion, which is, compared to other chemicals, it, it's really low. And it was meant to be very health protective. And Michigan is, they looked at what was out there. And Michigan and a few other states have made the decision that they think it's not strict enough. And so they're even going lower. So the options for us are right now, we don't even get to use really the US EPA drinking water health advisory of 70 parts per trillion. We're more using what are now the new Michigan drinking water standards or MCLs that they're producing that are right around six or seven parts per trillion. So it's, it's gone the other way, much, much, much more stringent. And what I'd like to add to that is the Michigan Manufacturers Association yes. sponsored us, AFTI, and some other scientists to review the new Michigan drinking water standards. And we did that, and what we found, and this is going to tie back to that how long it lasts in our body thing and why the calculations are so low. What we found was there is a more recent, very recent study where they used, they thought PFAS would make a good cancer preventative drug. So they fed, they gave PFAS to humans. It, it was a study. And from that, we were able to see what the actual, how long the PFAS, these eight carbon PFAS, the ones that last a long time, how long they last in the human body. And really it's more, from that data, it looks like it's more a matter of months rather than years. And that changes the calculations completely. So the PFAS, if you recalculate it for our report from the Michigan Manufacturers Association, would be much higher, like two or three orders of magnitude higher. So it's all in the calculations. Yeah, PFAS, they all start about the same dose that causes an effect in animals as other chemicals, and then it's the calculations that make them so low. All right. Well, now we thank uh, the MMA and ASTI Environmental for what they're doing. At this point, with that in mind, what will the future cost implications to Michigan's municipalities and businesses be for compliance? So, if you... You can look at it a number of ways. Right now, for instance, anywhere PFAS are in many everyday items that we consumers use. They're in. The, it's the reason that your pizza box doesn't get saturated with oil. It's in. Uh, it's in cosmetics. It's in dental floss. We use PFAS a lot. I'll go back from a chemical point of view, and only from a chemical point of view. PFAS is like a miracle chemical in that they, they repel both oil and water. So that's why they're used so much, you know, for Gore-Tex, those kind of things. And one of the bigger uses is this firefighting foams. And that's where, so either people that are using PFAS in their manufacturing, like Wolverine for the boots, like, you know, those kind of things, or they've been practicing firefighting somewhere with foams, they have the potential to have released it then into the environment. And the PFAS are readily soluble in water, so in the groundwater that's underneath there. So those kind of sites have very, very big problems now. And I would say, so the cost for sampling, for testing chemicals in the part per trillion level is just staggering because it's very difficult to do. So the cost to 
clean them up is, is, is relatively more than what we're used to with other chemical contaminants. The big one maybe out there that's looming is for the municipalities, the wastewater treatment plants. They're testing for those throughout Michigan. And then they then have to, if they find it in the, either the, the water coming into the wastewater treatment plant or coming out of it, they then have, the next step is to figure out where that is coming from. And so they're, they're sampling um, effluents from their municipalities. So the cost there is, is just a sampling is very high. But these PFAS now are being found in, let's say, the, uh, oh, what do you call it? The, from the wastewater treatment plants, they have what comes out of it in soil, basically. And they tend to put that right now, they dispose of that into farm fields. Now, they can't really do that anymore with these now with the new standards. And so the cost of disposing of PFAS, contaminated soil-like materials, are, it's in the billions. And municipalities really don't have that kind of money. So it's, the cost implications to a number of industries are simply staggering. And you see that recently, for instance, just for the, uh, the airports and the uh, firefighting foams, the, the Michigan PFAS, they call it the PFAS Action Response Team, had a $2.5 million grant to help them, the airports, with their testing costs. And so you can just see some, one small thing there where how much money is being spent now to both comply with testing and later to clean these sites up. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information today and kind of bringing us up to speed with the 30,000-foot view of this issue. So, Rick, we thank you for spending some time with the Michigan Business Beat today. Thank you very much. Once again, we've been speaking with Rick Welsh, MSC, DABT, Director, ASTI Environmental, Brighton, Michigan. We'll be back with more on the Michigan Business Beat, a Michigan Business Network.